All right, did you bring your Bibles? All right, let's make our declaration this morning. This is my Bible. I live by its truth. I walk in its light. I rest in its promises. I'm empowered by its love. And I overcome by the faith produced from receiving this seed sown into my heart. Father, I thank you for your word today. I thank you it is alive. It is quick. It is powerful. It is life producing in us. We open our hearts to receive the seed of your word planted and bringing forth the increase that it contained that we might live to the praise of your glory. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Well, this morning I'm going to uh, we've been ministering on the Holy Spirit from a lot of different angles, and uh, last week we talked about uh, trusting in the Lord, not leaning on your own understanding, and as Eli was just talking, how many know there's lots of things God asks us to do that we don't understand? So God said to Abraham, get out of the land into the land that I'm showing you. Abraham goes, I don't understand that. How am I just supposed to follow you? You're called to trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will what? Direct your path. So I have to trust him in order for him to lead and to guide. And so it comes down to all the different areas that God asks us to do. When he asks us to do different things, many times we don't understand how it's going to work. We just trust God and believe God and act on his word. And his word work. And then we talked to you a few weeks ago about Jesus being the living word and then embracing him as the word. When I, if Jesus is the word became flesh, then he is the living word. So when I hold my Bible, I'm holding him. So if I want an intimate relationship with the Lord, I have to have a relationship with his word. You'll never know him beyond your, your hunger and desire for the word. Lord, I, I want to know you more. I, <laughs> we sing that. He goes, cool, just open this up and you'll find me. Amen. So if I get in the word, I find him. Amen. And so this week, we want to take it maybe to another level. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Genesis chapter 26. And this morning, I want to challenge you to reopen your well. Reopen your well. Genesis chapter 26, we're going to read a few verses here. And this is Isaac, and uh, he's heading out on his own. And in his life, in chapter 26, there's a famine in the land. God gives him instruction on what to do. God reissues his promise to him as Abraham's son, the promise that he's made to his descendants, and reassures Isaac that he's going to inherit that promise. And so in verse 12, Genesis 26 and verse 12, it says, Then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped, and in the same year, a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. So God blessed him after he did what? After he sowed. Blessing always comes after sowing. It never comes without. So if I'm not sowing, I can't be expecting a harvest. Amen? <clears throat> the man began to prosper, continued prospering, until he became very prosperous. How many say I'd take that? Amen. For he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and great numbers of servants. So the Philistines envied him. Praise God. Now look at verse 15. Now the Philistines had stopped up all the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father. And they had filled them with earth. I want you to keep that in mind. They had filled them with earth. And Abimelech said to Isaac, go away from us for you are much mightier than we. And Isaac departed from there and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water which they had dug in the days of Abraham his father. Somebody say dug again. So he dug him again. For the Philistines had stopped them up. 
after the death of Abraham. He called them by name, which his father had called them. So Isaac came along and reopened those wells of his father. Also, Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found a well running, a well of running water there. But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, The water is our. So he called the name of the well Esek, because they quarreled with him. Then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that one also. So he called that name Sitna. And he moved from there and dug another well, and they did not quarrel over it. So he called its name Rehab, that name. Because, yeah, Rahuboth or whatever, so he called that name that well. For now the Lord has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. Then he went up from there to Beersheba, and the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bless you and multiply your descendants for my servant Abraham's sake. Now watch this, God's saying to Isaac, I'm blessing you for your father's sake, not for your sake, but because I made a promise to your father, because I made covenant with your father, I'm keeping my covenant with him. Amen? You've heard me say it before. Parents, when you walk in covenant with God, when you have a covenant with God, God keeps his covenant with you. So God, Abraham's son is receiving the promise that God made to his father. Amen? Look at verse 25. So he built, watch this. So he built what? An altar there called the name, called on the name of the Lord. Secondly, he pitched his tent there. And there, Isaac's servants dug a well. Now, before I get into that, I just want to give you a little something on altars, tents, and wells just for a moment. And in my Bible, I have some commentaries. In, in this Bible, there's some commentaries by some different uh, ministers in that. One, this part of this is by David Ravenhill, Leonard Ravenhill's son. And he says this, the altar speaks of consecration or dedication. It deals with our attitude towards God. The tent speaks of progression and deals with, and progression and deals with our attitude towards change. The well speaks of satisfaction, that from which we derive our life, and deals with our attitude towards God himself. All three speak of personal revival. So how many want a move of God in your life? Well, if you're going to have a move of God, you have to understand that we're responsible to keep our well open and to keep the enemy from plugging up. Look at your outline with me, if you would, as we go through this. The will of God for each of us is that our lives would be wells of refreshing and rivers of living water flowing out to a dry and thirsty world, that we would be so refreshed in him that the refreshing of his spirit would spring forth from our lives as naturally as the flow of a river and the filling of a well. The will of God for your life, for my life, for every believer, is they have such a relationship with him that he is allowing to, they are allowing him to pour his life into them, that they live continually filled. The Apostle Paul said it like this, don't be drunk with wine, but ever be being filled with the Holy Spirit. So God is always willing to pour his life and the flow of his life into him, into us. Jesus said that it is living water, and then when we receive that infilling, there is also an outfilling that flows out from us where we bring refreshing to those around us. Amen. That's the will of God for each and every one of our lives. The will of the devil for our lives is that we would be dry and thirsty and never find any refreshing for our thirsty soul. He works to dam up the rivers and to stop up our wells with the cares of this world, the enticing desires for things that cannot refresh, 
and with the pride of believing that we can refresh ourselves. So many people think, hey, I can just take care of myself. I can bring joy into my life. No, there's a supernatural joy and a refreshing that belongs to you from God. Could you shout amen? So think about it this morning. I have to ask myself, what am I thirsty for? What are you thirsty for? Do you just want more of what this world has to offer, what life has to offer? Is there something you're seeking to try to attain? Or do you want more of him? The apostle Paul said it like this. He said, no, I count everything lost that I might gain him. Nothing is of more value in my life than him. And when he becomes the desiring thirst in your life, when you thirst for him more than anything else, life changes. See, do we want living water that only Christ can give? Or will we be satisfied with the counterfeit of temporary joy, happiness, and pleasure that the devil offers in place of living water? The devil always has a counterfeit to offer you. He always has a substitute. That's why Paul said, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Amen. How many of you ever been to a restaurant and, and, and they have that little thing on there? They have their wine list and on the outside it says spirits. So you can order a spirit. Amen. And so when you order that spirit, all of a sudden you're, you're empowered. What, 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 what? Oh, I heard one guy say it. It, it, it is a, uh, how did he say it? He called it a, 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 an attitude lubricant. Amen. And so people get into an area and then all of a sudden they loosen up after they have a few drinks of a spirit. Amen. And, and, and you are changed into another person. All of a sudden you get a joy and you get a falseness and you get a boldness and you get courage. And it's only temporary because it's a counterfeit. It doesn't fill you. Are you listening to me? Whether it is alcohol, whether it's, all those things are temporary counterfeits for the real thing. That's why you heard me say it before. When I found out I can have a drink of living water when I don't have to be drunk with wine, but I can be drunk with the Holy Spirit. I can be intoxicated with the love and the power of God, and I can have the fullness of His joy in my life, and I don't have to pay for it. It's free. And it doesn't wear off, and it doesn't leave you with a hangover or any regrets. Amen. God is good. Praise the Lord. Amen. So that's why I have to ask ourselves, what am I thirsty for? Do I want that living water or do I want the counterfeit that the devil keeps putting before my life? Isaac was offered the fulfillment of the promise made by God to his father Abraham, but he had to have the desire to possess it. He had to dig again and reopen the wells the enemy had filled with earth. So it says the Philistines came and filled the wells with earth. Think about that. That's what the devil does. Earth representing everything that this world has to offer. Everything that, that, that is temporal. Everything that is carnal. Everything that brings momentary pleasure. The devil tries to fill your life and pour that in to clog up the flow of living water out of your life. So I have to avoid that. Look what happened. He had to build his own altar of consecration to the Lord. It's good to know what my father did. I'm glad that my grandfather paved the way and was a pastor before me. I'm glad I have some heritage before me. I'm glad there's people who have gone before me and showed way. But somewhere along the line, I have to build my own altar. Somewhere along the line, I have to make my own consecration to the Lord. And then... He had to establish his tent, his house, upon God's word. We can't build on our parents' faith, but you have to decide what your house is going to be. Amen. Pastor Stu and I have talked this for years. We tell parents growing up, you, before you have children, you better decide what your standard is going to be. Couples, you get together, what's your standard for your home? 
What are you going to live by? Are you going to live by the Word of God or are you going to live by situational ethics? Because once your kids get there, then your emotions get involved, but you better have a standard that's based on God's Word and you raise your children up based on the standard of God's Word. I love you. I'm sorry you're emotional about that, but we're building our life on the truth of God's Word. It never goes over very well, but I say it anyway. Because if you don't, if you don't have a standard, you don't have that place agreement, then that thing comes up and you have to decide, what are we going to do here? We've already made our decision. And we're building our life on his word. So he established his house, his tent upon God's word. And then he had to dig his own well. He opened up his father's well. When he opened up his father's well, look what happened. The enemy came and there was contention there. And then he went over and dug his own wells. And that's where he found the flow. Can you shout amen? So he had to do that to possess his promise from God. Even though it was promised to him based upon his father, he still had to possess it. Look inside your outline. We have a promise from God to possess as well. We have our inheritance in Christ. We will have to build our own altars, establish our own houses, and dig our own wells if we want to possess all that is promised to us and be a blessing to others that God declares we are to be. So God said to Abraham, Abraham, get out of the land. I'm going to bless you, but not only am I going to bless you, I'm going to make you a blessing to others. All the nations of the earth will be blessed through you. God's will for your life is that your life would be greater than just your personal needs being met, but that God would flow through your life in such a way that you are a blessing and you won't even find out the magnitude of the blessing you've been till the day you cross over into glory and you stand before the Lord and you get to see what he has done through your life of obedience. Amen. Hallelujah. See, the blessing of Abraham upon Isaac was that others would be blessed through their obedience. God would bless them and make them a blessing. Jesus declared to the woman at the well that he had living water to give. He declared to the multitudes that the Holy Spirit would be a river of living water flowing out of their lives. Wells and rivers are for refreshing others, not just for themselves. Amen. In America, we have meat Christianity. Amen. Most people pick a church based upon what it does for them. Amen. I go to that church because this is what I get out of it. You're not supposed to go to church for what you get out of it. You're supposed to go to church for what you put into it. Amen. If you don't put in anything into anything, you're not going to be satisfied with anything. Amen. If you're not putting anything into your marriage, pretty soon you're not going to like your marriage. Because you haven't sown any seeds or you're not going to reap any harvest. Life is based on seed, time, and harvest. You reap what you sow. All right, I'm preaching real good, but nobody's appreciating this morning, so I'll just keep moving right along. Amen. So think about this. Rivers, again, and wells, rivers flow to us, but wells must be drawn from. So the question is, where are you flowing to and who is drawing from you? Are you flowing? Is your life flowing anywhere? And is anybody able to draw life from you? Are you bringing refreshing to anyone? Is God able to flow through your life and use you for where he wants to go and do and who he wants to touch and bring refreshing to others around you? And so, so many times we just get so focused upon ourselves. And that, how many know the river isn't worried about where it's getting its water? It has a source, but it's, it's in the flow. It's not worried about the source. It's confident that the source is going to be there. So watch it. And then 
uh, in John 7, look at this. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and cried, If any man thirst, let him come to me and what? Drink. So watch this. If you're feeling dry, it's because you're not drinking. Amen. Jesus said that if you are thirsty, let him come to me and what? Drink. So he's declaring the quenching is available, but the drinking is up to us. We have to seek that and go after that. Amen. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly or out of his heart, out of his innermost being, shall flow rivers of living water. Somebody say, shall flow. So look what he said. So if I come to him and drink, then not only do I get refreshed, but then there is a flow that comes out of my life and brings refreshing to others around me. But this he spoke of the Spirit, which say that believe in him should receive for the Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. But how many know Jesus has been glorified? And how many know the promise of the Spirit has come? And now we are recipients of that. Glory to God. So think about this. The nature of the river is different from the purpose of a well. If we've received His fullness in our life, then all of us will, will have rivers that flow and be a blessing to the uttermost parts of the earth. Amen. You know, uh, over the years, Sue and I were at our home church uh, just a few years. I got saved in December of 1978, and in August of 1981, in just three years, less than three years, we were out in full-time ministry in that. And so then I'm gone, and, and then over the years, while Brotherhood was alive, my pastor was alive, we'd go back and visit to our home church and that, and Brotherhood to have me preach and stuff. And, and I'd go, and people come out, you've been such a blessing in my life. I said, I don't know you. You've blessed my life. Well, I, well I'm glad you said that. I, we, I, I don't know you. I've never had a conversation with you. I've never been around you. Amen. I, I'm glad. Thank you. But see, why? But if you're living, people look at your life. They, they see how you've responded to God. They see what God has done through your life, how he's using you. And, and that is a refreshing to them. That is an encouragement to them. And that inspires them to pursue God as well. You should be living your life so refreshed and, and be a display of God working through your life and flowing, through, uh, and flowing through your life to others that other people would be encouraged by seeing you, that you would be an inspiration to their lives. Amen. But if I'm always down in the, in the mully grubs, if I'm always the hee-haw guy, how you doing? Oh, man, you don't want to hear I'm done. It's just gloom, despair, and agony on me. There's been a week, all week, you know what? Every time I try to turn around, nothing turns out well. I just tried to, you know what? Glory to God, I feel just depressed being around you. <laughs> Hallelujah. So are you saved? Oh, I think so. Well, let's, we, let's fix that. Amen. Amen? Yeah. Watch this. Think about this. If we've received his fullness in our lives, then out of us will flow rivers that will be a blessing to the uttermost parts of the earth. Through your life, is there anybody? Watch this. Even through your giving today, as you gave, you may never get it. Uh, uh, Ray Bolt wrote a song years ago called Thank You for Giving to the Lord. And it was about somebody when they get to heaven, that people you never met, but through your gift you empowered Right now, we partner with Michael and the Turner. We support them. They're in Europe right now preaching the gospel, and partially because of your financial support. 
when they were here and they talked about that, he said we gave about we gave over twenty thousand dollars to the support of Ukraine. So there are people in Ukraine who got support through the giving of our church. Amen. About about a fifth of what he raised came out of our church. Amen. To go there to bring care and, and to send in those those semis into there with the food and the life support things that they need for that. And so you'll get to heaven. If you gave in that, you'll get to heaven and people will know what God will let them know where that came from. Are you doing all right? But Paul said, uh, Jesus said like this, that, that through your giving, people will welcome you into an everlasting habitation. And so you're preparing, you're laying up treasure for yourself in heaven through your giving. And then, by, but you don't get to know where it is. You don't see the whole, uh, whole uh, ramification of it, the whole impact of it until you get to heaven. So just by living as obedience and learning how to have your life refreshed by, by the living water of God and then to let that life flow out of you is an amazing thing. See, we, have very, we are not the source of the river. He is. We have very little to do with the outflow except to believe in His supply. And God rarely allows us to see how great a blessing we are when we let His river flow through us. Very seldom do we get to see the impact of living our life according to His Word. See, we focus on the, uh, another characteristic about a river is that they are persistent in overcoming barriers and obstacles. Hear me this morning. Their persistent force will either flow over them or move them or create a new path around them. Direction might be altered, but the flow is never stopped. Amen? You try it no matter what you do. You, you watch all, all these different things and rivers come in there. Then all of a sudden God will send a flood and it will wipe out whatever the obstacle is. Or that river just keep beating against that obstacle and it will either move it or else it will direct itself around it. But the river will keep flowing. Rivers are persistent. How persistent is your faith in God? See, when I keep myself refreshed, I'm not worried about the obstacles that are in front of me. I don't worry about the devil trying to build a dam because, bless God, God's going to create a flow and bust through that dam. He's going to move the obstacle. He's either going to take me through it, around it, or over it. Amen? Hallelujah. And so rivers have that characteristic to them. Our problem is, is we focus on obstacles when we should stay focused on the source. Stay focused on the source. Because God will either take us around the obstacle or remove it. The river of the Spirit of God overcomes obstacles. Hear that this morning. The river of the Spirit of God overcomes obstacles. So don't allow your focus to be on the obstacle or the difficulty because they are a matter of indifference to the river. Oh God, look at this thing. Listen, that's why the Bible says we walk by and not by sight. If you're walking by sight, then all you see is the obstacle, the opposition, the blockade, the hindrance before you. If you're walking by faith, then you walk by this too shall pass. Amen? I'm going through. I'm not going under. I'm going over or I'm going through. Amen? Hallelujah. I like one person said sometimes even rivers go subterranean, but then they come back up and, and you find them. It looks like they disappear, but no, they just needed to go down before they can come up. They've been we went to Bernie Falls. You go to Bernie Falls there and in that lava flow <coughs> as, during the, the summer, as, as the water flow and the runoff diminishes a little bit, there, there's a stretch there before the falls that you don't even see the river. It looks like it's barren. It's just lava rock up there. You go, where'd the river go? Well, you just go, then you go down to the fall, and here's this amazing waterfall coming from a river you can't see. Amen? 
And so even when somebody can't see the river on top of your life, when it looks like you're dried up, you got a waterfall flowing out of you. Amen? Hallelujah. I hope you're getting this this morning. Praise the Lord. So watch this. <clears throat> In other words, never allow anything to come between yourself and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let no emotion or experience or difficulty separate you from the source of the river. And let me put you like that. Let me just say it like that. Never lose your confidence in God. I don't care what you're going through. Sometimes we have long-term ailments. Sometimes we have long-term situations. Sometimes things don't come to pass overnight. Bless God, Abraham went 25 years from the day God gave him the promise till the day he birthed his son. We get upset in 25 minutes. Because we're the microwave generation. We're the instant people. How many remember when bag phones came out? It was, it was a miracle to me that you could have this thing, you plug into your car, put the antenna on your roof and drive around and make a phone call. You still had the cord connected to it and all that stuff. It was awesome. They were three-watt phones. Man, you could make phone calls from anywhere. You never had power, lost power. Those things were powerful. It was awesome. I remember when we first got ours, we were driving. Sean, Sean was still up in high school. We are driving between uh, Twin Falls, Idaho, and, and Wells, Nevada, out in the middle of nowhere there. And I'm making a phone call. This is, I called the office again. I said, man, this is so cool. I'm talking to you. From the middle of nowhere. It's a miracle. And that, but that's all you could do is make a phone call. And so you couldn't get anything else on your phone. <coughs> it had no other benefits to it. And then all of a sudden, he started giving us the other phone. And now the selling point of every item that you have is speed. Speed of access. We want our computers faster. We want our phone faster. We want service everywhere. And we become very demanding. And we're being culturally indoctrinated and conditioned. Why is this taking so long? <clears throat> and that's your attitude about everything in life. And then you come to God with that attitude. God never has a dead zone. There's no dead zone in communication with God. If you feel like you're in a dead zone with God and you're not hearing his voice, you have a reception problem. He doesn't have a transmission problem. And the reception problem is what you've allowed the enemy to pour into your well. It's usually been caught up in the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust and the desire for other things. That's what the devil uses. Because watch this, those things entering in choke the word and cause it to be non-productive. So it's the things I allow the enemy to fill my well up with. Because God is always talking. Our pastor taught us this, the Holy Spirit is always talking. The question is, are we listening? And, and am I in a relationship with him? Because if I'm listening to him, I'm never going to be discouraged by the obstacle or the obstruction or the hindrance or the opposition that comes up before me. Because I've heard his voice and I know who my source is. Like I said earlier, I know that he will either get me through it, get me over it, or lead me safely around it. Can you say amen? So that's what we're after. So in other words, never allow anything to come between you, yourself, 
in the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, let no emotion or experience or difficulty separate you from the source. The devil works to dam up the rivers and to block the flow and create a spiritual drought in the world, thus causing people to look to counterfeit instead of looking to the source. I've seen it over and over. I see people on fire for God, and then the counterfeits come in, they get discouraged, and they start looking everywhere else instead of going back and looking to God. That's why we redig and reopen the well. Think about it. We are to resist his efforts and keep the rivers flowing and the wells open. In John chapter 4, Jesus answered and said to the woman at the well, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, Give me to drink, you would have asked of him, and he would have given you what? Living water. Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water shall thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. So in that relationship with him, if I'm getting him, then, then there shouldn't be thirst in my life. There shouldn't be a dryness in my life. There should be no quenching in my life. There should always be a flow going through my life. So when it comes to being a well, they must be dug in order to tap into the supply that is flowing beneath the surface that they might be, and, and they must be kept clean if they are going to be a source of refreshing. Our job is to keep our wells clean, unsullied and, and unpolluted by the world. Could you say amen? amen. That's our job. We, we have to do that. When we find that our life is not flowing as it should, then we are to blame. We like to blame the devil. Amen. But there's no one to blame but ourselves. God made every Look, everything Jesus said, he that believes on me and, and, and the word that I speak, that, that he'll receive the Holy Spirit, and out of him shall flow rivers of living water and a refreshing. If I drink from him, I receive him, I believe in him, he gives to me living water. I'm never thirsty. I, I, I never, it's never quenched in my life. My thirst is always quenched. I'm never dry. And so if there's an area in there, it's what I'm allowing to happen in that. When the Bible says, give no place to the devil... Amen. That responsibility is on me. It doesn't mean that he won't come against us. It doesn't mean the temptations will come. It just means I'm not supposed to give in to that. I'm not supposed to listen to that stuff. Amen. And so many different things. That come. Watch this. The devil, look, at God always comes to us with his voice. He comes to us with his word. But the devil always comes to you with the voice as well. The devil's always speaking into your life, and God's always speaking into your life. You just have to choose which voice you will follow. That's why Jesus says, my sheep hear my, in the voice of a, stranger they will not follow so there'll be a voice coming against you but we learn no i'm just going to stay with the word that's why i go back don't lean on your own understanding even when it comes to the word many times what god is asking you to do makes no sense it makes no sense we'll wait on the lord well while i'm waiting what should i be doing nothing you're waiting you're waiting when the Bible says, stand still and see the salvation of God, well, while I'm standing here, what should I be doing? Standing. Paul says, therefore, having done all to stand, do what? Stand. Sometimes people look at you, how's it going? Standing. What's your plan? Standing. Not moving. Fully convinced that he who has begun a good work in me is going to complete it. I'm just standing. I'm believing to see. I'm believing to see. I'm standing and I'm believing to see. David said this, if, if, I had not, uh, if I had not believed to see the goodness of God in the land of the living, my soul would have perished. 
I would have given up. But David says, I believe to see. So when you're going through things, people say, man, it doesn't look like things are going very good. What are you doing? What are you doing about that? I'm standing and I'm believing to see. Well, shouldn't you be doing that? No, you should shut up and go mind your own business. My life is my life. It's none of your affair. Quit being a spiritual busybody. Hello? Why do you, what, what do you, hello? Are, do you want to pray for me? Then pray for me. Pray and come into agreement that I see what I'm believing for. Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them. I'm believing that I'm receiving what I've prayed for. What are you doing? Are you doing all right? See, that's what I mean. Who's drawing from you? Because many times people come and they're drawing into you, but they're not really drawing into you. They're putting garbage in your well. Because they're sowing seeds of doubt, fear, and unbelief into your well. I'm preaching pretty good this morning. So think about it. In Genesis 26, verse 15, what did the enemy use to plug up the well? It said that he filled them with earth. He filled them with the cares of this world, with experiences, with disappointment, with distractions, with desires, even other relationships. People get caught up today in politics, current events, cultural decay, and moral decline. We get caught up in all this other stuff, and we're not spending any time in the presence of God. Our conversation is about everything else instead of talking about the goodness of God and the presence of God and the power of God, and we're expecting to see God to do in this earth today. Amen. Watch this. So when we find out our life is not flowing, then we are to blame. For we have allowed something to obstruct the flow and fill the well. I put this little course in here years ago, man. Back when we were in Birdie, uh, an evangelist came through. And the other guy sang with And this was the song that he sang. It says, reopen the wells, O Lord. Dig again in the valley of my heart. Reopen the wells, O Lord. Let your spirit flow through me. Let your life flow through me. That a hungry world might see your image, O God, as your spirit flows through me. Reopen the wells, O Lord. Dig again in the valley of my heart. Reopen the wells, O Lord, as your spirit flows through me. Let your life flow through me, that a hungry world might see your image, O God, as your spirit flows through me. What if that was our heart? Was that our desire? God, that you would flow through my life. God, whatever it takes, whatever the enemy tries to buy, I don't want anything to fill in to block up my life. God, I want the pure flow of your life through me. David Ravenhill in another part said it like this. He says, Abraham was known as a man of God who dug wells. Wells speak of satisfaction and deal with our attitude towards God. Water is essential for life. It quenches our thirst in the natural. God wants to be the one and only one that satisfies us, spiritually speaking. In Jeremiah 2 and verse 13, we see one of the Lord's complaints against the nation of Israel. He said, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and hewn themselves cisterns. 
broken cisterns that can hold no water. He says they are trying to get their satisfaction from other things. Jeremiah is saying, my people have forsaken me and they're seeking satisfaction from other things. When I had offered them living water. Wow. Sadly, many church, many in the church are trying to find satisfaction by looking in the same places where the world is seeking contentment. How many first seek entertainment in other areas? They go searching here and there. How many are enamored with what the world has to offer more enamored with what the world has to offer than with the Spirit of God. And God says, you've forsaken me again, and your well is dried up. The Lord promised that if we would seek Him, we would find Him. There's a place of intimate relationship with Him that brings satisfaction to our life. There has to be that place of intimacy, that place of fellowship, that place of communion, that day-to-day pressing into God. You must tap into the well of God for yourself. Amen. As your pastor. If, 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 if you just come to hear me. I have nothing to give you. My hope. My desire. Is that somewhere. You find a greater desire. To press into your relationship. With the Lord Jesus Christ. If I can't bring you to him. Then I have given you nothing. If I don't get you to him. Then I have nothing to give you. He is the answer. He is the source. He is the supply. That's why Paul said, I I don't know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. What I'm trying to tell you today is that if you know Him, as He said, He will give you a drink of living water. So if there's a dryness in your life, if there's a thirsting in your life, if you feel like you're overcome by obstacles, then you need to reconnect with your source. In the same way that Isaac had to do it, even though he was Abraham's son, even though he was the son of promise, he still had to to, uh, build his own altar. He still had to pitch his own tent, and he still had to dig his own well. Amen? And we have to do the same thing. So the will of God for our lives is to be wells and rivers which Jesus can fill and flow through as a blessing to those around us. He fills us to flow through us. God fills you to flow through you. Over the years, I've watched people just wanting to be filled, just wanting to be filled, just wanting more and more and more. Well, to take in and to not give out makes you a dead sea. Amen? And, and, and after a while, I, I can keep taking in, taking in, taking in, but without an outflow, that same thing that I desire to be filled with can become stagnant in my own life. And so I have to have a flow that goes out of me. So if there's a, ever a deficit in the flow, it's because we have allowed the enemy to build a dam in our river or to plug our well with the cares of of this world, which in turn affects our relationship with Christ and moves our eyes off of the source. So what do we do? Kevin, I'm going to ask you to come back to the keyboard this morning if you would. I just want some piano music this this morning. And we're going to do something here as we close the service this morning. You're the only one in this room that understands your relationship with God. Nobody else. And we can all put on a good show. If you've been to church very long, you know how to put on your Sunday morning face. We know how to say all the good things. When you walk out the door and you drive in your car back home or wherever you are, you know exactly where you are in your relationship with God. You know what the Holy Spirit's been speaking to you. And last week we had corporate communion. 
and ask Marcia just to prepare communion again this morning. This communion is going to be personal. This communion is going to be your altar call with God. And guys, if you could put that first picture up on communion for the Lord. I think the first one is the bread there. That's a cup. If there's another one, it should say the bread. Is there a previous one? There it is. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And he broke and he gave it to his disciples. He said, this is my body broken for you. He says, I'm about to place my life. See, everything God asks you to do, He went first and did it for you. When God asks you through Paul to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable for Him, that's exactly what Jesus did for you. He presented His body as a living sacrifice for you upon the altar of the cross. And He gave His life for you. So every time you take this piece of bread, you're remembering that Christ gave his life for you. And it should challenge you on how much of your life you've given to him. He gave his whole life for you. This is the secret to have a river of living water and a well of refreshing that's not contaminated by the enemy. Is that you live your life in sacrifice to him. You give your life completely to Him. Jesus didn't break His life and go, here, here, here's a quarter of my life for you. Here, I give you this piece of my life. Here, the, here you can have this crumb of my life. You can have this speck of commitment. He says, no, this is my life completely given and broken for you. I choose to be wounded bruised, rejected, and even die for you. Then next he takes a cup. And he says, this is my next one, guy. And he lifts up the cup. And he says, this is my blood shed for you. And it's for the remission, the cleansing, and removing of your sin. And unless I shed my blood, there's no remission of sin. So I'm choosing to give my life and to spill my blood. That you might be made whole. And not only that, be reconciled back to the Father. And be cleansed in such a way that I can now fill you with the living water of my spirit. So this morning, we're just going to have open communion. And this morning, I'm going to open up this altar. Because each person in this room, if you're living for God, you need to know how to build your own altar. You need to not be afraid of the altar. You need to not be afraid of moving towards God and saying yes to Him and making commitment to Him. 
If you're having hindrances in your life and your walk, your relationship, different things, then it's time to go back and build that altar. Genesis 22 and verse 9 says that Abraham went up the hill and he built an altar for God. And that altar there was to offer Isaac on. God said to Abraham, give me your son, your only son Isaac. And Abraham didn't balk. He went and he built a brand new altar of obedience to God. Sometimes I just need that altar of saying yes to God. I'm telling you, God wants to bring a move of God into the earth today. God's moving by his spirit. We keep hearing about revival. But revival comes through God's people. And revival comes when we've come back to that place of right relationship with God, where we've reestablished our altar with Him, where we've set the priorities of our home back in alignment with His Word. And then when we've dug our wells open again, and we have that refreshing of God flowing out of our lives to others. So hear me this morning. Keep your eyes on Him. Guard and protect your faith in Him. Protect your relationship with Him and there will always be a steady flow through your life to others in place of dryness and barren ground. Live to be a refreshing to others in the same measure that He has refreshed you and in heaven you'll be amazed by what God has accomplished through your life for His glory. So my challenge to you today, it's time to reopen the wells and to let the river flow. Paul said it like this. Hey, Timothy, stir up the gift that's on the inside of you. Get to that place where you're hungry to see and and to release the deposit of what God has placed on the inside of you. Maybe today you would ask yourself the question, how's your altar with the Lord? How's your home? And how's your well? Maybe today you would rebuild your altar, dedicate your home, and reopen the well of your heart to Him in a private moment of communion with the Lord. I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads for just a moment. You've heard me say it before. I can pray a prayer of commitment with you. And you can pray and repeat the words with me. And that's good. And we do that. And that's good. But only you can give your life to Christ. Only you can build your altar where you lay down your life. In your life, there has to be that place where you come and you say, Lord, this is my life. I'm giving it to you. I'm building this altar today. And I'm giving my life to you. If you're here today and there's obstacles or things, you know the Lord, you love the Lord, you live for Him, but the enemy has come in. Jesus said like this when he talked about the tares and the wheat. He says, an enemy has sown these tares. Where do they come from? So the enemy's always looking to sow those tares into your life. You're ready today and just unplug the wells and redig and reopen the well. Let God dig again in the valley of your heart. Let his life flow through you that a hungry world might see his image through your life as that course says. Maybe that's what you need today. But I feel God pulling our church and pulling his church together as a whole. Corporately, there's a move of God that's happening. We had such a powerful move of God Tuesday night at the conference. People just saying, God, do it again. Reopen the well. God, dig in our heart. God, we just want the move of your spirit in our churches. We don't want program. We, we don't want all the other stuff. We don't need more lights. We don't need no bling. We don't need no flash. We don't need more of that. We just need God, and we need the Holy Spirit. We need you in our lives. So if you're hungry today for a move of God, then let the move of God begin with you. I ask the question, what are you thirsty for? 
If you're thirsty for living water to be flowing into your life and flowing out of your life, then maybe today you would move to this altar. Maybe come get the communion element. Go back to your chair. Make your chair an altar. But whatever you do, make this place an altar in the presence of God. In these next few moments, the Holy Spirit is so present, so tangible right now. Just move in response to Him. As you feel led, just get up from wherever you are. Come serve yourself communion. Find a place to pray. Kneel down. If you're ready, say, God, I'm hungry. Today I'm building my altar. I'm dedicating my home. I'm redigging my well. God, moving my life. Just say yes to God. Let there be a great yes in your heart to Him. Just say yes. God doesn't ask for anything else. All God ever asks from us is just yes. He declares it, and we just say yes. That's all He needs is your yes. Your yes is empowering. Your, your yes is, is a breakthrough that he has for your life. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you today. Lord, we make room for you. We hold nothing back. We just say yes. We say yes. Lord, we want the living water of the river. We want the refreshing of the well. And Lord, not just for ourselves. We want to live in such a way that we bring refreshing to others. Hallelujah. I want to ask Rich Pearson to come up. He's going in for surgery on Tuesday. If you're here and you need a touch of healing in your body, you need agreement for prayer in any area, would you come join us? We're going to pray for you right now. Come on, the Spirit of God, the present, the Spirit of the Lord is present. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Amen. I'm asking my wife to come. Join me you're here and you need a touch of healing, a breakthrough in your life. You need God to touch you. The Lord said, these signs will follow them that believe. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. Stretch your hands out here. Father, today in the name of Jesus, we lay hands on our brother.